Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined via the phone by uh, Pastor Scott Beatty. Pastor Scott, how are you doing today? I am doing quite well, thank you. And uh, Pastor Scott is the lead pastor of uh, Rockbridge Community Church of the Nazarene in Rockbridge, Virginia. And uh, we have him in today to share his testimony. Uh, But before we get started, we always like to ask kind of a lighthearted question question. We love ice cream. I love all kinds of ice cream. Grayson loves vanilla ice cream. I'm wondering what kind of ice cream that you like. Oh my, that that is a loaded question. (laughs) I I enjoy all kinds of ice cream. I I guess I would have to say um, uh, anything with peanut butter Uh. would be good. Uh, anything with cookies would be good. And a couple of years ago, I came to really love salted caramel. Uh, so I, I, I didn't answer your question, um, you, you know, straightforward with one answer, but uh, it would have to be anything in, in those three. <laughs> I have a question, though. Do you like chocolate with your peanut butter ice cream? I mean, I would do chocolate with my peanut butter, but uh, the vanilla with the peanut butter, I think I enjoy more. All right. I might like that better. I don't, I'm not a fan of the chocolate peanut butter, but my family likes that. So I was just, I was wondering, um, is there a chocolate, is there peanut butter without chocolate? So you've just answered that for me. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, I am, I am not from Virginia. Uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. And so we have a lot of producers of ice cream in our area. And almost all of them make their peanut butter with vanilla. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, I've had it with chocolate, but most of the ones I'm familiar with have it with vanilla. Okay. Learn something new today. Yep. Well, Pastor Scott, uh, you mentioned you're not from Virginia. You mentioned you're from Pennsylvania. So just tell us uh, where in Pennsylvania you're from and tell us a little bit about how you grew up. All right. Well, uh, when I tell people where I'm from, I generally start with Pennsylvania because I'm from York City. And as soon as I say York, everyone hears New York. Uh, And so so then I have to tell them, no, not New York, but York. And they still have a hard time figuring it out. But I, I grew up, I was born and raised in New York. Um, was there until a year and a half ago when we moved to Virginia. Um, when, when I was uh, a young boy, um, my family uh, was a part of the Nazarene Church there in York, the York First Church of the Nazarene. And so I grew up in the church. Um, and uh, when I first came to Christ, was uh, in a vacation Bible school. I think I was six years old and uh, gave my heart and life to Jesus and uh, enjoyed uh, serving Him. And, and then I hit my fun teenage years and uh, I'm sure no one else's story is like mine you know I'm probably the only one out there the black sheep but you know I hit my teenage years and I struggled (laughs) I say that tongue in cheek Uh, (laughs) you know but uh, particularly uh, probably around the time I was 15 I really struggled um, in in who I was um, and uh, and uh, you know what it meant to live out my faith I was never away from the church I never left the church, but I certainly wasn't living my life um, the way I should have been for Christ. 
Um, you know, but I, I always had that desire to serve him. I just couldn't figure out how, how to do that because I was living partly in the world and partly in Christ. And as scripture tells us, you know, you can't be in both. And so, you know, that was a real struggle. And, um, but I just always loved the environment of the church, the body of believers, uh, even at those times when I, I didn't see eye to eye with people, um, you know, and, uh, uh, most of my friends were in the church. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. They weren't all quite living the way they should, but, uh, you know, we were all struggling together to figure it out. And I had some really great mentors in my life, and I wish I'd listened to them a little better than I did. But, uh, you know, so, some of those individuals are still in my life, um, including um, one of my best friends growing up. His mom um, is actually probably my biggest prayer warrior. Uh, and I, I could not imagine you know, where I would be uh, w- without her prayers all these years uh, for my life. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful to um, look back and um, just see the people that God places in our lives to, uh, to be that support. And um, there's something about that. that there's no price tag that you can put on, on having a prayer warrior in your life. That's for sure. And having mentors, I can identify with, probably should have listened a little bit more myself. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I praise the Lord for, that's a part of my testimony, you know. Um, And, you know, for those that are listening that maybe have some teenagers that are, that maybe are struggling or in the church, but they know their kids are struggling. I think it's a real encouragement um, to hear that that is a part of the process, right? Like we grow up in the church and we we go because our parents tell us to, and it's a part of, of what we do um, as a community of believers and those of us that are just, you know, following our parents. And at some point, our faith has to transfer from our parents to our own faith. And uh, right. there's a struggle in that. Yeah. We question things, and we have to know that we know for our own good and for, our, you know, because we've seen it ourselves. And that doesn't always look beautiful, <laughs> you know? Um, nope. The struggle. Um, yep. So what would you yep. say to parents today that, that maybe have that 15-year-old that is struggling? What would you say to, to those parents? Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is keep praying. Yeah. Keep praying. Don't give up. Um, and the other thing um, I would say uh, is, you know, I, I'm careful when I say this uh, because there are things, obviously, as parents we can do that create more difficulty for our kids. Yeah. But I think far too often as parents, you know, when our kids are 16, 17, 18, even 22, 25, you, you know, uh, depending on where they're at in life, um, we take it too personal and we forget it. they're at the age where it's their choice. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, I, you know, even for my wife and I, uh, with our kids, you know, we look back and we think, what could I have done different? And I think that's a good question. But we also can't own some of the choices our kids made because they're their, they're their choices. And some of the choices I made were not my parents' choices. They were my choices. And while I did not always like everything they did or, you know, um, uh, you know, looking back now, they did the best they could, um, you know, given where they were in their life. And, and so, you know, so I think as parents, a lot of times, you know, we want to question more than we should, um, you, you know, what, why our kids are where they're at, what we didn't do. And what really hurts me is I hear parents question that when it comes to regards to having their kids go to church. I know parents now who, who will not 
tell their kids, you know, hey, you need to come to church. It's do you want to come to church? And, and while I would rather somebody come because they want to, I think there's a responsibility as a parent to say, no, I'm going to lead. Yeah. And this is what I expect of you. We, we don't wake up in the morning and say to our kids, well, do you want to go to school today? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we know that's good for them, right? We, we don't we don't at night now, obviously, th- this is a big spectrum, and there are certain parents who may parent this way. But, you know, at, at 10 o'clock at night, we don't say to our kids, do you want Mountain Dew right now when you're about ready to go to bed? Do you, want <laughs> you, you know, we... Yes, exactly. We lead them and we guide them. And I think part of the problem we're seeing in the church right now is too many parents have decided I'm not going to lead uh, at home with my kids and my faith and because I don't want to push it on them. Yeah. And what you're doing when you do that, yeah, you're not pushing it on them, but I can tell you this, the TV is going to push what it wants on them. The school is going to push what it wants on them. Their friends are going to push what they want on them. Society is going to push what they want on them. So you're advocating your chance to speak into your kids' lives, not wanting to push something onto them when all the rest of the world is going to be willing to do it. And, and they're doing it. Yeah. It's true, true, true words there and things to take to heart um, as we think about raising kids in a world that is different, a different world we're living in today. Oh, amen. I am so grateful that, uh, you know, I I was not a teenager at this point in time because, I mean, this this is just me speaking honestly right now. You know, if I was a kid 15, 16 now with the ease of stuff that's on social media and stuff that's on the Internet, I'd probably be addicted to pornography. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad it was not accessible back when I was a kid. Yeah, everything is at our fingertips, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, yep. Yeah, thank you for sharing on that. So you obviously made it through your teenage years and you still love Jesus. Yep. So what did that look like for you um, as you, um, I don't know when you were called to ministry. I don't know if you can share yes. a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I struggled to, to do what God wanted of me. You know, as Paul said, you know, I did the things I didn't want to do and, and I didn't do the things I wanted to do. Right. You know, I always wrestled with that and was struggling with that. And, um, you know, and so when I got out of school, I, I was heavy um, in the arts world. Uh, you know, art and music were my passions. And, and so I went to art school and uh, ended up figuring out that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And then a little while later, I got married to my wife, uh, who I met in high school. And we started having a family um, at a relatively young age compared to, uh, you know, what, what some other individuals would consider. And, and so I was really trying to figure my life out. Um, what I wanted to do was music. Once I figured out I didn't want to do art, and so I was trying to pursue music, uh, but at the same time, I had a family at home that I just needed to support, so I was just grabbing onto anything I could find, uh, and so, um, you know, I'm grabbing onto, you know, I worked in factories, I worked in sales, I did all these different things, and at about the uh, age of 28, you know, still not really sure 
what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I, I was part of the choir. My wife and I both were at Steel Meadow, uh, what became Steel Meadow Church of Nazarene. When I was growing up, it was York First Church of Nazarene, what became Steel Meadow Church of Nazarene. And, and we started uh, singing this Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir song that says, if you could use anything, Lord, you can use me. Yeah. And, and I started singing that. And I didn't just sing it when the choir was singing. I just kept singing it all the time. Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. I, I always wanted to be used. I, I just couldn't get out of my own way. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, I didn't even have the confidence in some areas uh, to be used. Um, you know, I had things said to me. I had people in the church hurt me in ways that made that I didn't have belief in myself that God could even use me. And uh, so I was singing this song, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on in my life. And, and I met an individual who at that time was leading our children's, uh, he was actually the children's pastor. And I started talking to him, and I just said, you know what, you know, I, I just feel God wants to do something with me. I, I feel, um, you know, there, there's more uh, to all this that God wants. And so he started sharing with me and talking to me. And eventually he just looked at me one day and he said, you just need to take a class. Just take a class. And uh, on each district in the Church of Nazarene, uh, each district can set up classes. And, and so in our district, we had the Williamson Bible Institute. And at the age of uh, 29, 30, right around there, I took my first class, uh, The Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ. And, and, and my mind was just blown, and my mind was just opened up, and my eyes just saw things that I'd never seen before. And, and, and so I started walking down that door. It started with one class. And it didn't end. Uh, you know, I just kept taking the next one and taking the next one. And, and at the same time, as I said, I, I had issues where, where people had hurt me in the church. I kind of stayed behind the scenes uh, because of some of the things that were said to me. Uh, you know, so I, I would paint a backdrop. I would do this or that. But, you know, inside of me, I, I wanted to be the person acting in the play. I wanted to be the person singing. But I wouldn't do that stuff because I didn't have the confidence of who I was. And, and so as I started taking this class, uh, the church w was getting ready to do a vacation Bible school. And so they asked my wife, a young Christian herself, a uh, young mother, uh, if she would organize vacation Bible school. And the vacation Bible school she was organizing was about veggie tales. And so I had this knack and this ability that I could do Larry's voice from VeggieTales. And, and a lady in our church, who was creative as well, made costumes for Bob and Larry. And when it came time for Vacation Bible School, I, I was inside this Larry costume. And being inside that Larry costume allowed me to express myself in ways I never would have had that costume not been on me. And it unleashed something inside of me. Now, once that costume came off, I still struggled to talk in front of people. Um, when that costume came off, I still struggled to sing in front of people. But over time, God used that experience of being behind that costume to find my voice, to allow me to realize that he had something for me that I could do, that I could be enough, that I could have confidence that he would lead and he would guide me in all the things. And so, you know, when I first started ministry, before I would preach, anytime I would preach, I would have to go to the bathroom and get sick. 
before I would sing a solo, I'd have to go to the bathroom and get sick. And over time, that went away. I grew up with a lot of anxiety that I didn't realize was anxiety in my life until later as I got older. Um, but now I can walk up in front of anybody and sing a song or preach a message. And I, I don't have that anxiety because my confidence is not in me. It's in Christ who lives in me. Mm. That's a good word. Yeah, and as you were talking about that song about Jesus, if you can use anything, you can use me. That sounds like surrendering. Um, you know, maybe what your wants and desires were for His wants and desires, not even knowing what that looked like, and also talking about the experience of being in the Larry costume. I think it gave you confidence because nobody could see you, but then God let you know that it wasn't you, that it was him. And so you were able to step out of that costume and kind of become a little more comfortable knowing that it was the Lord's strength, not your own. So if you would like to talk about, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're trying to do everything in our strength. I mean, we're going to fail. You know, if we're trying to do it in our strength, we're going to struggle, you know, to articulate what it is that God, you know, wants us to say. But when we fully surrender to Him, uh, you know, then it's Him doing the work. Uh, you know, it's, it's like an individual who says, you know, I'm afraid to witness because I might mess it up. Well, then that's you speaking out of your own flesh. If you're just talking to people, God, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. They're going to guide you. You know, and if that person doesn't respond positively, it doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that you messed something up. Uh, that just means they may not have been ready. The key to it is being obedient yourself. If, if God says, go talk to this person, you go talk to that person. You know, and there's times I say things and I'm wondering, what in the world did I just say? Uh, but if I have the confidence that God is speaking through me, then then I can know that, you know, my obedience is what was the important part, not the response of the other person. And and full surrender, you know, really, you know, you're laying yourself down. You're putting aside your wants and your desires, and and you're chasing after what God has for you. You know, nowhere in my desire was there a, a place called Buena Vista, Virginia. Uh, I didn't even know there was a place called Buena Vista, Virginia, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, and, and I don't say this to be cocky. I don't say this to, you know, point at me. I say this because this is God's work. Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, that's a great, uh, that's just a great door opening to the next conversation. So there was a process for you to get from York, Pennsylvania, Steel Meadows to Buena Vista, and the process was surrender. Again, God right. has taught you about surrender, and he keeps teaching us, right? Like, he just keeps Absolutely. teaching us on a deeper level. So talk to us a little bit about the process <laughs> of getting to Buena Vista. Yeah, so... So I, you know, I grew up in New York all my life. My family's from New York, though actually part of my family uh, tree, if you trace my history, is actually in the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, of Virginia as well. Um, and so, you know, my grandma uh, grew up down, uh, not in Buena Vista, but, um, you know, Woodstock, Stanton, uh, Waynesboro area. And, and so if she knew, she, she passed, you know, several years ago, but if she knew where I was now, uh, <laughs> she, she, she would be tickled. 
but um, you know, growing up in York all my life, I, I just figured this is where God had placed me, and this is where He wanted me. My heart was for the city. I grew up in the city. I lived in the city my whole life. When when other people were leaving the city, you know, because of crime or high taxes or whatever it was, um, I just felt that God. That's where He wanted me. My wife and I had tried several times to move. Never once did the opportunity happen. As a matter of fact, uh, never once did anyone even look at our house when we had it for sale the first time. So we found a, another house in York, and uh, when we bought that house, um, our other house was sold before we even bought the new house. And, and so I just thought, man, God, this is just your sign that we're going to be in York the rest of our lives. Uh, I was serving at uh, the city campus of Still Meadow, um, which was two blocks from my house. Um, I didn't buy the house knowing they were two blocks away uh we came to them later uh and that's a whole nother story um you know I, I don't have the time for that whole story but but basically what happened was you know i i thought god you have us exactly where you want us and i'm comfortable well being comfortable uh often is a sign god's about ready to do something and my wife and i um really we had to get on the same page together we had to get on the same page financially uh spiritually um it, you know we were both serving christ but we weren't um really on the same page and, and so it took me a while um it actually it, it took me 20 years to finish my classes for ministry and part of the reason it took me that long was one i struggled uh with some things in myself. And then the second one was I wanted to make sure my wife and I were on the same page together before we moved forward. And, and so we, we got on the same page financially. Uh, we got on the same page uh, spiritually. And, you know, one day um, we were just talking and, and you know, our, our kids were in York and uh, we have four girls and, and we just thought, hey, this is where we'll be. Uh, you know, I, I'll lead the city campus of Steel Metal at some point in time. And, and then all of a sudden, God just started changing that. And, and we started feeling like, um, you, you know, maybe this isn't where we're going to stay. And, and our one daughter moved away to another state. Um, you know, another one moved away. Not that far, uh, but parts of our life in New York, while most of our life is still, most of our family is still in New York, parts of our life in New York started moving away. And we started feeling like, huh, God might be doing something different. And, and, and so we started praying. We initially were going, we were going to pay off our house, and then we were going to remodel it to the way we wanted it. So we made a change, and we decided, you know what, we're just going to fix up our house and see if we can sell it. And um, we started we started working on it, and then, of course, COVID hit. And we're like, okay, now what's going to happen? And, and we kept working on the house, kept working on the house, and months went by, and we weren't hitting our deadline. You know, we, we had intended to put it on the market in the winter, and then in the spring, and then in the summer, and it kept getting pushed and pushed, and, and we weren't getting things done. Well, finally, we got everything done for our house, and we put it up for sale, and within a day, it sold. We had no idea where we were going. I, I had passed my ordination interview that February before this. And so we had figured, okay, I passed my interview in February. Of course, you know, the, the surge of COVID hadn't hit yet. I was going to be ordained in April. And then our plan was we were going to go to Florida. Uh, we felt God was taking us to Florida. Uh, we were either going to explore churches there or we were just going to go there and open up a ministry. And then COVID hit and everything stopped and I didn't get ordained yet. And we couldn't go to Florida and we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. And, and so we put all of our efforts into getting the house ready. We sold the house and we had nowhere to go. I had talked to my parents. Uh, my wife and I had talked to my parents a, a little while before we said, hey, we're, we're going to sell our house. We think God is taking us 
us to Florida. Um, if something happens and we can't get there right away, you know, can we stay in your basement? Because I had a fully finished basement. And they said yes. So we sold our house, moved into my parents' basement, and began to explore where God was going to take us. You know, up in, in the interim, part of what I skipped was um, I, I was the worship pastor at that point in time at York City campus. And so um, what I started exploring was pastoring and preaching at other churches that needed help. And so I started weaning myself away uh, from leading the worship at city campus to going to these other churches and preaching and filling in for pastors. Or when they lost their pastor, you know, he, he moved on to another ministry or she moved on to another other ministry. Uh, and so it really helped Lisa and I in this transition and breaking away from something that, that we had lived so much of our life for that it made it a much easier process. And so we moved in my parents' basement and um, my district superintendent on, on the district we were on asked me, he said, hey, I know you guys want to go to Florida. I, I know this is what you think God is doing, but would you be willing to spend a year or two at a church on our district and learn some things and, and, and pastor a church here? And so I said, I said, okay, I, I'd be willing to do that. And uh, several months went by, several more months went by, and finally I called him uh, right before Christmas and, and I said you know, to him, I said, hey, you know, what are your thoughts? What's going on? And, and he said, well, it's probably at least six months, maybe a year till I see something possibly coming available for you. Cause he, he, he didn't want to just put me anywhere. He wants to put me in the right place. And so, um, uh, I said to him, I said, well, you know, we've been in my parents' basement for four months now, you, you know, we, we, <laughs> it's getting a little old and, and I don't know that God wants us to wait that long. Uh, and so with a conversation with him, he said, hey, if you feel you need to explore other opportunities, go right ahead. Um, you know, I understand. And, and so I, I got my resume together. I talked to several pastors um, and I sent my resume um, to very specific districts. Uh, South Texas, both districts in Florida, South Carolina or North Carolina, I can't remember which one, in uh, Georgia. And then I had Virginia on my list. And I said, you know what, God, we want to be near a beach. If we go to Virginia, there's only one area really near a beach. And, you know, when I talk about beach, I'm talking about the ocean beach, you know, not the beach by the river. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I said, you know what, I'm not. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to wait and see what happens. And I felt God pressing on me. And everyone had told me, they said, hey, when you send these resumes out to the district superintendent, don't get discouraged if it takes you six weeks, two months, three months, you know, to hear something. That's not unusual. And so I sent out all these resumes, and I had Virginia's just sitting there for Dr. Fuller. And I kept feeling the Holy Spirit say, okay, you need to send it. You need to send it. And he and I kept having a conversation. I don't think so. I don't think so. It had to be down 95 near Virginia Beach, you know. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm not being obedient if, if I don't follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I hit send on my computer to send that email to Dr. Fuller. And do you know, 48 minutes later, he called me. <laughs> 48 minutes later, he calls me and he says, um, this is Dr. Fuller. And I knew it was a foreign number. We were, my wife and I actually were just getting ready to leave. 
she was recovering from a surgery and we were just getting ready to leave the house. And, uh, my parents house, the basement. And, and I'm like, Oh, I'm getting a call from a number. I don't know. It's probably a DS. And she said, well, answer it. So I pick it up. He says, this is Dr. Fuller. He says, I- I'm with the Virginia district and I'm praying, Lord, down 95, Lord, down 95, down 95. At least if it's down 95, I'm closer to the ocean and we're closer to Florida. And he says, so do you know the blue Ridge?" And my heart sank. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I know the blue Ridge." And then he said, well, you're familiar with Buena Vista. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I've always lived in the city, uh, you know, population. I mean, between York, Lancaster and Harrisburg is 1.5 million people. Uh, you know, so within 30 miles, it's 1.5 million people. And I'm used to all the hustle and bustle of the city and all the ease of shopping and restaurants and all that goes with it. And, and he says, well, I got this opportunity in Buena Vista. Would you be interested? And I said, well, I'll be interested because my wife and I going through this process, our whole thing has been God's going to open the doors he wants to open. He's going to shut the doors he doesn't want open. And I said, this is the door that's opening, so we're going to explore it. And so we explored it. We came down, beautiful area, uh, but nothing like I grew up with as far as, you know, amenities and accessibility to things. Um, But we just fell in love with the people, and we knew this is where God wanted us. Um, So to make the story even better, um, we came down, uh, and and I preached after meeting with the board. The board voted to move me uh, to a vote before the people. And and so the next Sunday, the church was going to vote on whether or not to extend a call to me to be their pastor. Well, between the one Sunday and the next, I get a phone call from Panama City, Florida, (laughs) Uh, well, the, the church was in Panama City, Florida. The, the, the DS wasn't, but it was, it was the South Florida, um, South Alabama area. And uh, the DS said, hey, I got this church in Panama City. It's five minutes from the beach. Would you be interested in interviewing? And I had to, I had to check and say, okay, God, what am I going to do? <laughs> But you know what? It didn't take long. It, you know, the words that came out of my mouth were, you know what? I appreciate the offer. And next week I may call you back and say, yes, I'm willing to take a look at it. But right now, I'm pretty sure by this time next week, my wife and I will have accepted the call to a church in Virginia. And that's what happened. Yeah. Wow. And then I go uh, about a month and a half later, and I'm sitting in my first board meeting with the church. And we're about ready to start the board meeting. And my phone rings. And I'm like, I don't know this number. I better answer it. It's the uh, South Texas District. <laughs> and it's a, the DS says, uh, this is the, the DS's assistant of the South Texas district. I have a church down here I'd like you to consider. And I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm about ready to start my first board meeting with my new church. <laughs> oh, the Lord has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> he? He does. He does. Well, I know that uh, you had a... Quite a, a ministry, just as we kind of wrap up today, uh, mm-hmm. what God is doing in Buena Vista. Um, I know that you Amen. all have a new church, um, yep. a food bank. Um, give us just a closing, just an update on what's happening there with the ministry. Yep. Absolutely, yes. So I'm always careful to talk about numbers because you can have a lot of numbers um, and not much spiritual depth, uh, but you got to have something to go by, you know. Uh, and so when we got here, the church had been running a facility for 15 years. Nothing wrong with that. Actually, one of the things that really intrigued me was the fact that we weren't tied to a building. 
we could go anywhere. Um, but we had a food pantry, as you said, and our food pantry was running the space. Our church was right in the space. And we wanted to get the two back together, not just to share costs, but because we felt it was more effective ministry to have the pantry and the church tied together. So we were praying. We thought we were going to move the church to where the pantry went, um, not knowing that a few months later I'd get an email from a church in the, in the community uh, right on the main street in a pond location that said, hey, you know, we're going to cease meeting together. Would you be interested in our building? I never expected we could afford the building. We worked out a deal that was probably, uh, we never got a full market value of what a valuation of the building. But my guess is we got the building at about half its value and we got everything inside the building. Wow. So not, not only did we get a half of the value, we got all the chairs, all the sound equipment, everything. Um, so we were able then to, uh, in um, the last Sunday of February, uh, move in and have our first service. Uh, our pantry was tied into their lease uh, through May. Uh, so in May, uh, we made the transition to bring the pantry over. Uh, in our pantry, we're serving on average anywhere from 60 to 85 families. And we've been as high as 135. The church, when we got there, um, now, mind you, this is in the middle of COVID, and, you know, as, as we get there. Uh, and so there were some people that just weren't comfortable with things. But when we got there, it was about an average of 15 in attendance. Um, outside of a period of time over the summer where our church itself experienced a big surge in COVID, uh, we are currently somewhere between 35 and 45 on any given Sunday. Um, we, we got new people from the community that are connecting with us. Uh, you know, we have a baptism in our church. We didn't have that in the old church. Uh, we had a Christmas Eve baptism where we baptized uh, several individuals. Uh, we are currently holding a membership class that has several new people uh, considering membership in the church. And then uh, two Thursdays ago, we had our very first community dinner. And so uh, monthly to start, um, the second Thursday of every month, we're having a community dinner. Uh, that community dinner is followed, if the people so choose, by a time where we listen to a story from Jesus and we pray together and we talk about the story. Uh, and But if they don't want to stay, they can leave. Uh, you know, they don't have to be a part. Our first community dinner, we had 37 people, eight people from the community not connected to our church. Um, you know, and, and so God, God is doing a work. Um, we are uh, exploring and moving forward with uh, starting to celebrate recovery. Rockridge County does not have a 12-step Bible-based uh, recovery program in the entire county. Um, so my wife is going to be leading that. Uh, she put together a Facebook group, and she was like, I, I, I just, you know, I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure what to do. She put together a Facebook group, and she's already had two people contact her. Uh, and, and this is not a, a widespread group, you know, with a lot of publicity. Two people said, hey, I've been looking for something in Rockbridge County. What, you know, where are you meeting? I just got a text this morning from another church, uh, actually our Compassion Church in Nazarene, saying, hey, we just had somebody come by our place and donate two boxes worth of Celebrate Recovery materials. We don't really need them. We want to give them to you guys to help start your ministry. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so you just see, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you know when to start the next thing? God will show you. Don't make it abundantly clear. 
you know, and, and the one thing, you know, before we came, my wife and I were praying and dreaming and a dinner church, uh, which is basically what the community cafe is, a dinner church and celebrate recovery were two of the things at the top of the list that we felt God wanted to do. But we also knew we had to wait on God. So often we get a vision from God and we feel we have to make it happen. Um, you know, but if we just wait on him, he will provide the people. He will provide the materials. Uh, so one of the new couples in our church, um, they came to a service in January and they didn't know anything about our church. And, and I didn't know anything about them. And in that service in January, I painted this picture of a community meal only to find out that this couple had been looking for a church that was willing to go into the community with a meal. And, and, and so they've been connected with us ever since because our vision that God gave us latched onto the vision that they had. But we had to do it within God's time. We couldn't go outside of his time and just make it happen. And so if God placed something on your heart, continue to give it to him. Continue to allow him to work. And he's going to make it abundantly clear to you when the time is right and when the time is ready. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Pastor Scott, uh, thank you for joining us today and being willing to share your testimony with us. And uh, it's just great uh, about God's timing and how his timing is perfect and his timing is better. Um, than our time and he knows better um, what he has for us and what we think uh, is good for us he definitely has our best interest in mind and uh, and it sounds like God's doing a lot of great things there at Rockbridge Community Church there in Buena Vista and uh, I just pray God's blessings over you and your church and your food pantry and uh, over Celebrate Recovery that's uh, starting up Uh, thanks for sharing with us well, thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, and your patience. Uh, but, you know, I would have had some of these stories a few weeks ago. Right. <laughs> right. Celebrate Recovery. Oh, so again, it's God's timing again. <laughs> Celebrate Recovery. Um, just got those books today, right? So or you mm-hmm. just found out about those yep. today. Like the story is still being written. Right. Um, that's right. That's right. It's amazing where we want to go and where God takes us, and we wouldn't trade it for anything. Amen. Amen. It's the beach or the mountains. Um, God's in the midst of the details. So thank you. That's for right. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Pastor Scott Beatty's testimony today, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM. WBTX.